I think that a lot of success teams just stop doing the the work of informing the other teams of what's happening because nothing happens because you you might the product team or whatever team might read the thing and say this is great but then the report looks exactly the same the next month Hello and welcome to Talking Email with Postmark. I'm your host, Merrick Loader, and in today's episode, Rian van der Meeve, the product manager for Postmark, and Brian Kerr, a member of the Postmark customer success team, come together to discuss some of the hard work we've done to align our customer success and product teams to help solve customer issues and make product improvements. In sharing our own experiences, we hope that you'll come away with some ideas on how you might be able to improve the alignment between your customer success and product teams. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Hey, Merrick. Nice to be here. Hey, Merrick. How's it going? So I'd like to just get started with uh, some quick intros. Brian, you've been in customer success for the better part of your career. Can you tell us about your path to customer success and how you ultimately ended up at Wildbit? Yeah, I think probably like a lot of people, I kind of fell into customer success. Um, and customer support. Uh, I started my career working at a large bank in their internal IT department, uh, working on their own support. Uh, so kind of a phone bank, average handle time type of situation. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't really enjoy the exact situation I was in. And so over time, I started looking into more of startups and that type of thing and ended up uh, joining a startup that raised $8 million in funding. And we kind of I worked there in their support department for a while. And was enjoying it, but then um, somehow, I don't even really remember how now at this point, but Wildbit got onto my radar and um, I saw a job posting for customer support and I really just fell in love with the company culture and applied and kind of ended up here. So that's kind of my quick path to Wildbit. We're certainly lucky to have you on the team. And Rian, you've worked in various roles focused on user experience design, research, product management in companies all over the world. Can you tell us about your winding and and exciting path to product management and ultimately how you ended up getting connected with Wildbit? Yeah, it's certainly a bit of a long path. I was born and raised in South Africa, studied there and then moved to Australia to keep studying. And then I met a girl (laughs) and uh, (laughs) this girl was an American. So I followed her here, which sounds way creepier than it than it was because we ended up getting married. So I think it's all okay now. Uh, but yeah, we, we lived in the Bay Area for a long time. I worked at eBay for a while. Um, and then we wanted to move back to South Africa. So I felt like I wanted to move into product. So there wasn't much to learn about product at that point. So I read some Wikipedia articles and bought a couple of books and faked my way into my first product manager role. And, and uh, here we are 12 years later, <laughs> still trying to fake my way into it. But hopefully having learned a few things along the way. So uh, I learned about Wildbit through another, uh, someone who works here, Chris Bowler. Uh, we've been internet friends for a long time. And uh, he reached out when he saw the posting. And um, we always talk when we talk to each other. Everyone has their Natalie moment. It's, it's when they have that first call with her and they're, and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, this isn't just a casual conversation. I really want this job. So <laughs> I had my <laughs> Natalie moment as well. And uh, I'm, I've been here for over three years. And so it's been great. Wildbit is certainly a special place and, and uh, fortunate to be working with both of you guys. Really, I'd like to begin our conversation 
by painting uh, a picture of the roles and responsibilities of both the customer success and product management teams at Postmark. Brian, do you want to tell us a little bit about what customer success looks like at Postmark and the overall responsibilities uh, of that team? Yeah, the customer success team here at Postmark works on two primary activities, and that's uh, proactive work and reactive work. So reactive work is your traditional support. So we're working in an inbox queue, doing live chats, and sometimes we'll even do um, phone calls with customers if that's what how they want to be contacted. Um, and then the proactive work is more traditional, what's con- kind of considered traditional customer success work. So that's uh, I guess a lot of things fall under that umbrella, but that's uh, reaching out to customers um, after they signed up to see if they're having any issues um, or if they have any questions or answering any questions that they might have told us when signing up. Um, general education, um, so best practices on how to send email um, or through, and that's through things like guides or webinars. And then um, we just also do functions to reduce the support that's coming in. So that's kind of like the silent hand that customers don't necessarily see, but that's work to reduce support um, before it even happens. So it sounds like you guys have a number of different responsibilities uh, on the CS team. Yeah, it's all over the board, at least. More broadly, what, what would you say are some of the, the top level goals of the, the CS team as a whole? Yeah, so we have four goals as a team. Um, and the first one is reliable uh, availability. And so that's to be available for our customers when they want us to be available. And that's through phone, email, or live chat uh, primarily. Um, and then uh, the next goal is to provide a personalized hands-on onboarding experience for our customers. Uh, so that's, you know, all of our customers have unique needs. And so if they reach out to us with a question, we want to make sure that's tailored to their exact needs. Um, the next is to focus on continuing education and feature awareness. So that's uh, making sure that we are teaching our customers about any new features that we release or just continuing to teach them best practices. And then finally, uh, is uh, empowering our customers to help them through self-service. So for those times that we aren't available via you know, email, if somebody's working at midnight or something like that and we're not around, we want our self-service to be uh, really solid so that they can get the answers to the questions that they might have. Perfect. So across the board there, the customer certainly is at the center of all of the work that you guys are doing on the on the success team. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And and Rian, do you want to just give us a quick synopsis of you know what the product team looks like at Postmark and kind of what your role as product manager is all about? Sure. Yeah. So our product team has uh, two designers uh, and then three or four developers and then uh, honorary support members. <laughs> so Brian is helping us on a lot of stuff right now. It kind of depends on on who on that team has availability and interest based on the projects that we're working on. But my role has basically three focus areas. I think the first and most important one is actually team team happiness and efficiency, which is very different from other places where I've worked. How to make sure that our team is working on the stuff that they want to be working on that is also useful to the, to the business. Um, how do we uh, improve our processes? How do we have processes not just for processes' sake, but uh, I always like that quote: uh, "Engineers don't hate process; they can't. Have, they hate process that can't defend itself." And <laughs> so I always try to. We ha- need to have defensible processes. That's what we're aiming for. Um, the second part uh, is very much focused on customers. Uh, I do regular customer calls, usability testing, all kinds of different things there. And then I'm also responsible for customer outreach. So I I write our newsletters. I do um, so I, less of it now, since uh, but I, I used to do quite a bit of support. But I try to get, be, still be involved in that because it's it's such a great 
uh, front line to that and then try to be up to date on on the industry news and things like that. And then the third area is what I would just call product. So that's what most product managers, I think, spend most of their time on. That's the strategy and the planning, the execution and the marketing of products. So the, the day-to-day grind of product management is still a big part of my day, but I think it's a little bit smaller than at other companies because I also spend way more time on, on team and customer stuff than, than maybe in other places. It sounds like similar to this customer success team that you are responsible for, for quite a lot across the postmark. Both of you, it sounds like a common theme is this overall just concept of improving customer experience and really asking what teams can be doing to, to help customers achieve success. Would you guys agree that that's a fair statement? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think the important part for us is also to realize that we want to continue to stay profitable and we want to continue to grow our business as well. And we believe the best way to do that is to ha- make sure the team is happy and, and by working on stuff is also making customers happy. I always think about a great success metrics for, for us would be our customers um, pay us without complaining about it. <laughs> our customers want to pay us, right? Because sometimes we, we see these tweets of people saying, Oh, Postmark is one of the few services I don't mind paying for. And and that I really love seeing that because it, it means that you provide an actual value. Um, and at the same time, you're doing it in a way that doesn't make a customer feel exploited or feel that they are held hostage. So we're kind of in the center of those two things. Cool. So happy customers willing to pay us without complaining. Obviously, you guys, you know, on the customer success and product teams are both working to help shape the customer experience, but you guys are coming at it from very different angles with very different day-to-day responsibilities. I'd like to spend the the majority uh, of our time together exploring where those responsibilities overlap, where they diverge, and, and really where we've found opportunities for collaboration to exist between the two teams to generally improve the customer experience. Perhaps we can start with just the, the simple act of gathering customer feedback. Brian, can you tell us about some of the ways that the customer success team collects customer feedback at, at Postmark? Yeah, I guess the, the two kind of traditional ways are through surveys. So we have CSAT surveys that just you know measure, measure how a support interaction was. So that's always just good just to check in to make sure that scores nice and high as it should be and there's no red flags there. Um, we then also, for new customers that sign up, uh, we also send them a survey, I think it's 60 days after they have started paying and become active, asking how they would feel if they could no longer use Postmark. So this is maybe a little bit different than some organizations that might use NPS or a CES score or something like that, where we're asking the customer, if you could no longer use Postmark tomorrow, how would you feel? And uh, we give them three options of very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, and not disappointed. And the point of that survey is to check to make sure that the um, when a customer signs up for Postmark and they become active, if we're meeting the job that they're hiring Postmark to do um, and making sure it's useful for them. Um, and then kind of the third um, piece of feedback that we kind of collect, and this I think we're going to dive into this more here in a little bit, is uh, just looking at every support conversation we receive and starting to tag that and turn that into information that we can use to kind of figure out what customers are saying to us. Because if you're in the uh, support inbox and you receive like the same type of question like four times in a row, 
it might seem like, oh my gosh, this is like a big deal. But if there's hundreds of conversations that have come in in the day, and those are the only four times it's happened, it's maybe not that big of a deal. Uh, so it's looking at all the support that's coming in and trying to uh, make that uh, useful data. I certainly would like to, for us to dive into to some of those in a bit more detail. But Rihanna, I want to give you a chance to to share some of them. Uh, if there are any additional ways that the product team is also going about collecting customer feedback. Yeah, I think the big thing here is that once once uh, I almost see the CS team as this incredible filter <laughs> uh, of helping us figure out what are the actual important things that have to come through the team. Um, so once something is seems like either an issue or a feature request that that seems like it solves a real problem, um, that comes through to me and the product team uh, through a tool uh, called Product Board that we use to prioritize some of the stuff. And when it comes in, it doesn't mean we'll immediately work on it. I think we're, uh, I'll probably come back to this a lot, but we're a small team, so we can take on a bunch of stuff. We don't rely on a massive backlog. Uh, we, uh, we know that there are only a certain number of things that we can work on. So we try to work on the most important things that are coming next. And there's no hundred issue backlog for us to go through. So what we do instead is as these conversations come in, as Brian said, we tag them. We, we link them to feature requests or to bugs. And, and I know that once something is becoming an actual issue, that will bubble up. Um, and then we can address it at that point. Uh, and then we also just, like I mentioned earlier, do a bunch of customer calls, either proactive um, through people who have a link that they just want to talk to me about stuff or um, through organized usability testing or, or interviews that we do with our customers. Again, it sounds like they're frankly across both teams. There are a number of different channels by which we're gathering and collecting uh, this customer feedback. For the sake of this conversation, what I'd like to do is actually talk a little bit about some of the the work that we've done recently with respect to tagging and prioritizing customer support requests. Brian, earlier this year, you created a, a reporting taxonomy to help our team and perhaps more broadly, our company, uh, begin to track and understand trends and conversations with our customers on the front lines. Can you tell us about this project, Brian? Yeah. So what we did this year, and this is kind of a cool thing that we started doing overall this year on the Postmark team, is we're kind of treating the Postmark team like part of the product team. And so what we're doing is every three months, our product team meets and they decide what they're going to work on for the next three months. And the customer success team does that as well. Um, and that's, so that's really great because it time boxes the work that we're going to do and it makes it really focused. And we can also take a look at our, comp- or our, our four goals that I mentioned earlier and make sure that what the work that we're doing is working towards that. So one of those projects that I took on this year was a tagging taxonomy. So that's taking the support requests that we have coming in and assigning tags to them. So the way we went about doing it uh, for the initial version was looking at different parts of the product requests we're coming in for. So if a conversation came in regarding our API, uh, we'd just simply tag it API. Or if somebody uh, had a conversation about um, sending via SMTP, we would tag it uh, as SMTP. And we'd kind of do that for all the different types of questions that come in about Postmark as a product. So that's you know templates or inbound processing. It's kind of all over the board. And what that starts to do is it gives us a baseline of where our support's coming in from. So we can start to understand what features are generating the most amount of support, which aren't really generating support. And uh, from there, uh, as we're starting to look into now, as we're starting to look into the 
exact types of conversations each piece of product is uh, generating and support requests so that we can kind of understand the type of support as a whole that's coming in. Tell us a little bit about the approach that you took to develop the tagging structure. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I was trying to do um, when coming up with it is make it broad enough and easy enough that it's not extra work because tagging in, tagging nearly every support conversation that you have, you know, if you're doing, you know, hundreds a week or something like that, that's a lot of tagging that you're having to do. And so it's trying to make it broad enough uh, that it's simple enough to just easily and quickly do, but also make it focused enough that it is actually generating useful information. So that when we go on and report on the tags that we're seeing, it's you know helpful information for Rian and the product team to make decisions on the product. So you created this tagging taxonomy. Our team tags support requests. Tell us how we begin to extract useful information uh, from these tags. We do do a report, and it's kind of a manual process. And I actually like that it's a manual process. Um, if it was like some sort of monthly analytics report that was in some database somewhere that anyone could look at at any time, it probably wouldn't get looked at too much just because it's always there and it's not something you always think about. But instead, it's a monthly report that I put together. So uh, we use Help Scout as our help desk. So I just manually go through and look at the analytics there. So I look at how many uh, conversations each tag is coming up with. I kind of clean up the data. And then I start looking into specific tags if um, there's a lot of support for one. So, uh, you know, like maybe if, if we see that some tag is generating 20 support requests for three months in a row, and then it jumps up to 60 or 70 report requests or support requests in a month, I'm, I dig into it to try and identify, was there something that broke? Um, was there maybe just all of a sudden some industry shift where there's a new feature that people are wanting um, or that type of thing to understand why that's jumping? But then I'm digging into the conversations themselves to get a better idea of the types of support conversations that we're seeing around each specific tag. Interesting. So it sounds like a side effect of it not actually being an automated kind of neatly buttoned up tool is that you uh, are actually going through uh, these conversations, especially when you notice a particular trend to try and understand common themes or things that may be going on or contributing to that particular trend by actually reading through these conversations yourself at the end of the month. Yep, that's correct. Okay. So, I mean, these reports sound like they're loaded with information. Let's talk a little bit about how these reports are used uh, by the product team. Rian, how do you approach these reports and what are some of the things that you're doing with them at the end of the month? Yeah, so I think it's one of the, probably one of the few Basecamp posts that everyone reads. <laughs> 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 uh, because it is so useful and so, so so much interesting information. And what's really interesting about it is is how we're able to see trends. We're able to see some of the bigger things that we know we need to work on and see how it keeps coming up to just confirm our prioritization there. But then uh, the, there's also some really fun things where we're seeing issues that generate a lot of support that have a fairly simple solution and we can quickly work on that. An example I can think of is we some, we have usernames and email addresses uh, and people sign in with their usernames and they sometimes forget their username and sign in with their email address instead. And then that creates confusion and a lot of support. And uh, that showed up in one of these reports. And we just made a couple of simple changes in the UI to uh, if someone, if we if we identify an email address in the sign up box, showing them a notice saying your your username is probably different than your email, so just think about that. And 
Brian, I don't want to lie. That did help with the support, right? <laughs> it, it did. No, it, I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, something that was maybe coming up up to 15 times a month, if not more. And now it's, uh, you know, maybe one or t- one or two times a month. Yeah. So there's, there's quite a few examples of those things that just feel like such good momentum where we always talk about these small annoyances that we want to get rid of because we're all, as again, as a small team, we're focused on these huge things that we want to accomplish. And it's so easy for a product team to just not worry about the smaller things. But it, it's that it's those small improvements that help customers and also give the success team more time to work on success tasks and that make that reports uh, report really useful. So to summarize, I think it's it does two things. It clarifies uh, our priorities and that we're that we're focusing on the right things in terms of the big things that we're focused on. Um, but it also gives us opportunities to just slowly and methodically create a better experience for customers and and for the support team. And so it sounds like uh, the, these reports have been pretty vital in, in, in helping us uh, identify and tackle some effectively low-hanging fruit, some things that are just frustrating elements for our customers and being able to kind of knock them out quickly. I'm also curious to know whether these reports have helped us to identify more broad strategic initiatives. Yeah, I think um, it serves as a, as a really good check on our on our plans as well so that's that's what i would call the main benefit because we try to at the beginning of a a year and a quarter set ourselves business goals and and the problems that we want to solve and how we want to meet those goals through meeting customer needs and as we go knowing that these are the issues that that our customers write in about serves as a as a just confirmation that we're doing the right stuff and it, it helps us with sometimes shifting priorities from one thing to another um, because, because we know that something is becoming more important uh, than something else. And, and <laughs> as kind of a silly example that I sometimes call my crown achievement at Postmark is uh, we didn't always uh, support emoji and subject lines. <laughs> and it became this running joke because uh, it's silly, right? But also, as emoji picked up, it became a thing, and it 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 shifted our priorities at some point because it became such a hassle to not support it in terms of and and there there were a couple of examples of customers just not even choosing postmark, just going to a different provider because they couldn't use emoji and subject lines. So it sounds silly, but that's an example of how um, us and the support team staying close to each other were able to solve that need, and actually that obviously that support dropped to zero. Um, but also it, it, it doesn't come up anymore. Uh, and knowing that it's a problem, I think is, is really helped us, uh, over time. So, so clearly these reports have filled, uh, a really pretty important role, uh, for the, for Postmark in terms of keeping this, the customer success team and the, that customer feedback top of mind and, and front and center for you on the product team, Rian. Are there other ways that the CS team and the product team at Postmark are able to stay connected beyond these monthly support tagging reports? Um, yeah, I think what I would add is, the, uh, is kind of related to your question. The other thing I like about these reports is that it's not just our team who finds ideas and things to work on. It's uh, Everyone kind of chimes in on these. So, for example, maybe a solution is uh, 
a, a UI change and an additional help doc or I think some webinar ideas or video video tutorial ideas came out of these reports so that it's easier for supporting to say, hey, go watch this two-minute video, um, which will help you figure this thing out. So I think we, what I really like about it is that it's, uh, it's kind of a multidisciplinary solution to the things that, that get, uh, get brought up there. Um, and then on a higher level, I think from our, from a leads team perspective, so Dana, who heads up customer support is, um, uh, we're all responsible making sure that we're aware of what's happening in our teams. And I think so uh, in our planning and our weekly calls at, with our leads team, um, that's another really important uh, point. We always talk about customer he- headlines in that call. So uh, then I would certainly then bubble up some of the more important things that happen in support or that happened in success. Um, so that again, it helps us just confirm our prioritization and, and we can work through things based on what that customer input is. So to um, build on what Rian was talking about there, about how um, it's not just the product team's uh, responsibility to kind of build on this. It's it's not like uh, you know, the purpose of these reports is to drop a 2,000-piece Lego uh, kit on the product team and say, go, <laughs> you know, you know go, go fix whatever came up this month. It is really for the entire team to understand what type of support's coming in. So like a, a good example is um, there was a situation where support was coming up a lot and uh, we had a help doc on the article. And um, so not only did somebody on the product team step up and right away say, hey, I'm going to make a fix to kind of clear up this confusion. When I went to go look at the help doc for that, uh, it was very wordy and uh, it was kind of hard to understand even if I knew what the help doc was saying. And there's something called a, a gunning fog index so that you can tell how hard something is to read. And uh, it registered like a 14.5 or something on that, which is means it's like super hard to read. And so it, the purpose of this report is also for the success team to know like, hey, like, we, like let's look at all the stuff that's coming in and take that back to what we're doing as well to know if, uh, you know, if it is rewriting help docs or something like that. So uh, it's a very collaborative thing. So it sounds like it really informs both teams in quite drastic ways as to kind of what are, where are opportunities for us to help improve the, the customer experience, whether it be, to your point, that the help docs, Brian, the clarity of the document itself, is this clear enough? Does this convey what we're trying to have it convey? Um, all the way through to, you know, potential flaw or bug in the product. Yeah, definitely. So I guess one thing that I'd like to explore a little bit is how the collaboration on the CS team at Postmark and the product team at Postmark, how that stacks up to perhaps some, some other environments uh, that you guys have, have worked in. Brian, maybe we could start with you. Yeah. So from my past experience uh, at other organizations, sometimes it's very siloed um, where there's really not a direct line of communication where success could even put up a report that the product team would you know, like to read or enjoy to read or look forward to read. Uh, it's you know there's been walls or silos between the two teams where you know maybe a product's shipped and then you just find out about it that day or that week um, and that's definitely unique to Postmark which I think helps um, us be able to uh, kind of have a report like this be successful where there is that collaborative nature between the teams where we know that we are working together. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think one the two things that I would want to point out that I find is a little different is one we tried to always have a success person part of our project as we're working on it so that 
when there's going to be help docs, there's going to be API doc updates. And like Brian said, we can't just tell them, hey, surprise, this thing is live now. Go figure it out. Like we want them to be part of that process, right? And we want all those things to uh, be live at the same time or roughly at the same time. And and I think th that's more on the proactive side. But here on the more reactive input side, I think that a lot of success teams just stop doing the the work of informing the other teams of what's happening because nothing happens because you you might the product team or whatever team might read the thing and say this is great but then the report look exactly the same the next month and i think what's different here is because of i, I guess the manual effort in the report that points out these are the most important things that are an issue um, and then the willingness of the team to just jump in and do stuff to fix it because we all want to see that problem not show up again next month. <laughs> <laughs> and then the satisfaction of having it not show up the next month, uh, that creates, I think, this momentum where it's like, if, if nothing happens, you can't expect support to create this report. If things change, then it's a virtuous cycle that's just going to continue to keep going until we don't need a report anymore, I guess, <laughs> one day. <laughs> That'd be nice. And, and Rian, I mean, is there anything that, not to say that this is, you know, all the product team, but I, I feel like to some extent, clearly there's been a lot of work that you've done to help lead a product that kind of fosters an environment uh, of openness and, and sharing. And are there particular things that you focus on or, or work on to create that kind of an environment? Yeah, I think this is where the discussion probably drifts more into Wildbird culture in general, which I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I'll, I'll start the answer and then we'll see if we want to we go there or not. Uh, but I, the, the, the answer to your question is, I think that it's really important, a really important value for us that, uh, we, we, that we, we don't step on each other's toes here. That's not a, it's not a thing. We don't try to build fiefdoms. We don't try to, have ownership over things that no one else can touch. And I think that's very different from a lot of organizations where um, I don't think anyone here feels the need to, to build some kind of empire. So uh, I succeed when the product succeeds. I don't succeed when my ideas get listened to. <laughs> so that's great. If one of my ideas helps the product succeed, that's great. But if my idea is stupid and someone tells me so, I don't, and they're right, then... I don't win anything from standing on that idea and standing strong on it. So I think we try to have a culture where we are really trying to all pull in the same direction. When I talk to some of this stuff to some other team members, the word that I keep going back to is care. I think that we care uh, for each other. We care for the product. We care for our customers. And I think if that's the, the basis of things, then the silos disappear and then we celebrate these wins together um, when we, especially when we, when that, for example, coming back to the report, when that report looks different next month because we fixed something, we celebrate that together and it's, it's no one's one win. So I think the, the culture we're trying to create is that we are, we're not in it for ourselves here. And I think that makes it an enormous difference. There's, there's clearly a shared ownership uh, across the product team and the CS team to, to really improve the customer experience. What are some of the tactical 
uh, and operational ways that we work to keep these two teams in sync? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, our our planning uh, is really set up to do it this to do to work in this way. So when we go into, we kind of try to plan in, in quarterly cycles. And like I said, we don't work off a backlog. It's not like we're starting from square one, but um, we don't. Uh, we make changes as we go based on what's important. But as the leads team meets and, and talks about our business goals and some of the things we could do, um, we present that to the team not as uh, this is what we're going to do, it's a proposal. And there's been many times where that direction has changed or when the way, where the way that we want to approach things have changed based on feedback from the team. But once everyone kind of agrees on the general plan, that the the execution of it, the specific execution plans, uh, becomes the autonomy of the individual teams working on it. So you have designers, engineers writing the first drafts of specs, which is, would if any product managers are listening to this, they will freak out. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I don't know if I want them to hear it, but uh, and and my role is more to come alongside them and, and help them figure that out and answer any questions or ask questions most of the time. Um, and, and we do that because the, in that way, the team really feels that ownership because they're the ones who are creating, they understand the problem. They, they're the ones creating the solutions for it. So we have a template that people use for these project plans where we uh, want to make sure we answer the right questions, like what problem are we solving? Who are we solving it for? How are we going to make money or measure the success out of this thing? Um, but everyone on the team has their stuff that they're working on and they have the responsibility and the autonomy to, to do that. And, and once those drafts are done, it gets circulated and everyone on the team comes in and asynchronously asks questions or clarifications. And, um, but again, not to, to try to find gotcha moments, but to truly try to improve on the plan that's already there. So from from the strategic level all the way to now I'm writing a thing in a document, it's set up for people to f- have ownership and also for the rest of the team to help them succeed. And I, I assume that the, the CS team is heavily involved in some of the, the planning that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of the cool part about all that. So, you know, Rian's saying that the uh, developers and designers are writing these um, uh, product plans, but when they're doing that too, the support team can go in and look at the product plans that they're writing and figure out if there's going to be support need from this feature. So, you know, writing new developer docs or maybe some sort of educational material that we need to create all the way to like, um, you know, raising any concerns saying like, hey, like, you know, from talking to customers, this might be a problem. Um, so, you know, everyone's involved, which kind of creates that collaborative ownership um, culture even more because, you know, like we're invested in it. It's not kind of what Rian hinted to earlier. It's not something that we're being told that's happening. We actually have a voice to, you know, raise any concerns or, um, you know, make sure that when a new feature is released, it's the launch is really successful. So it sounds like this collaborative planning is something that has contributed to keeping really all teams in sync as we move forward through our development process. Was this always the way it was done at, at, at Postmark or is this a new development to have these kind of collaborative team plans at, at the onset of quarterly planning? It's definitely been an involvement. We, um, over years, and it'll, and it'll evolve again, I think. Uh, we're about a year into this particular way of working and I think we all like it very much. But in, in the past, we had 
sometimes annual planning. We went all the way down to six-week planning like Basecamp does. Um, and then this is just the format. Uh, Natalie, Natalie and, and Chris uh, created this operating system, which we'll write about more, I think, in the coming months. But that is set up in this way that I think we all really like. So it, it evolved to this point, and I think we're all really comfortable with how it's working now. Not that it won't ever change. It's just this is where we're at at the moment. Also, as an individual contributor, I think something really powerful about the quarterly planning is we have a little bit of a show and tell at the end of each quarter where we actually show all the work that you worked on. Um, and so that just kind of creates a little bit more ownership too, where you know not only that you're shooting this work into the void, but you're going to be able to kind of turn it back and show it to the team and uh, really show off what you worked on. So just to kind of wrap this up, gentlemen, I guess in your own words, I mean, why would you say and we've talked a lot about this, but I'd love to hear you guys kind of just recap, you know, why it's so vital to keep customer success and product teams uh, closely aligned. Brian, maybe we could start with you. I, I think it's just so important because we're kind of all in this together. You know, we're supporting the product that uh, they're making. And we're also, you know, hearing the kind of the fire hose of customer information that's coming back. And there's just so much good feedback in there. And to kind of, you know, business goals and all that stuff. If, you know, we want to continue growing the product, if there are little product annoyances that come up 15, 20 times, but we're growing our customer base, like it's just it, those little issues just become not sustainable. If, you know, you hit a certain user amount in SaaS where you're just growing customers, well, you, you don't want your support growing as much with that, um, you know, just cost of support and you don't want to hire more people as your um, support grows. So I think it's just good to always remember that you're in it together and it's a collaborative environment to really um, work together to solve any issues that come up. Yeah, and I think from my perspective, it's uh, the, the channels in a business that a product manager usually has most of most access to are the technical needs and the business needs, if we talk about those three things again. But these channels to, to understanding user and customer needs are often just closed off for some reason, silos or whatever it might be. And the fact that we encourage everyone to have direct interaction with customers, including you know our developers do support uh, uh, when, when when some of the issues get really technical, um, so they get they get to have that direct interaction as well. And then for us to see this as an important input into our product, we have to put our money where our mouth is, <laughs> and in, and in that sense, I, we have to stay extremely close to each other. To make sure that those needs are always being made known. So I don't, I don't see it working any other way. If you want to be a company that that has people that are happy to pay you, there's no other way to do it. Wonderful. Well, I just want to thank you both for carving out some time to to be with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today for this episode of Talking Email with Postmark. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to receive updates on all future episodes. And be sure to check out the resources section for this episode, where you'll find helpful articles and resources to keep your CS and product teams aligned. Lastly, if you're ever looking for help bridging the gap between your customer success and product team, drop us a line at support at postmarkapp.com and we'd be more than happy to help. See you soon.